Welcome to episode 190 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The 2022 draft is done and the international game schedule is set. It's the off-season, but there's loads happening. My name is Charles Patterson. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Still no Cameron Hobbs like last year's draft pick for the 49ers. He's simply not turned up yet. We're hoping to see him at some point soon. We are joined by NFL Scotland members Gordon McGuinness and Ian Stephen to walk through the draft and other assorted topics. We can't wait. Charles, it's nice to be back. Thanks for looking after things so nicely. That's not a problem. I am I'm looking for my raise at some point when our esteemed host decides to show himself you know i have been trailing the last couple of weeks that he's been trying out for this seattle seahawks quarterback position and given that they didn't draft a quarterback and they've not traded for baker mayfield yet i'm still buying that this is a viable option well do you, do you think he would actually manage to get that yard that he always claimed that he might get he's got to be better than drew, drew lock for god's sake surely to goodness well Drew Locke is coming to Wembley, but we'll talk about that in a little while. Gentlemen, the NFL draft with the first pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars selected Trayvon Walker of Georgia. Anybody object to that being the opening pick? Yes. In my my opinion, I think it is an absolute (laughs) pick of a selection. My, Um, My dog has the exact same toy. Not anymore. My dog now has it. <laughs> um, that this is Trayvon Walker has just got Mike Mamula written all over him. That was an absolutely phenomenal, maybe once in a generation uh, defense at Georgia, and the guy had no production whatsoever when he had six or seven running mates. It should have freed him up in countless one-on-ones. They were. They were so good in run defence. They were always set up for further and long. And he just didn't deliver on the field. And then he turns up in his underpants and then tests off the chart, just like Mike Mamula, who trained specifically for it. Mamula wasn't a bust. He was a, a serviceable player. But I don't think there's any way that Trayvon Walker should have been the first pick in this draft. And I think the Jags have just managed to be the Jags again. Well, what I will say to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt is like Georgia's defense at times like doesn't ask its edge defenders to, you know, do the things that a lot of edge defenders have to do on like a simple one-on-one basis. But mm-hmm. the thing that's really tough is if you want if you want to go edge defender at number one overall, there was Aiden Hutchinson, there was Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, that you take one of those guys. That's you know if you if you don't want to go if you think that they're you know safe picks that are going to have like Jadeveon Clowney like careers then go for one of the cornerbacks. There's two really good cornerbacks at the top there. Like. But it, if you, if you look at the fact that last year the Jaguars selected maybe the the best quarterback to come out of college in the last ten years, do the Jacksonville Jaguars have the best offensive line in the NFL? No, they don't. So why don't they try and improve that that side of the ball and give their best player, their potential superstar, the best possible avenue for success? Everybody saw what happened to Carr when he went to Houston with like 60 sacks in his first season. He was destroyed. He, he washed out of the NFL because he was beaten up so badly. The Jaguars, in my opinion, they should have went offensive line with that first pick. There is a caveat though, they could have been furiously trying to trade down and people weren't interested because of the kind of lack of talent in this draft, but I would definitely have went offensive line. They've been they've tried to be way too cute or too clever and that doesn't that doesn't align itself with a, a good future here. I think you're absolutely right. I think they should have gone offensive line because it's safe. You're protecting your asset, which who runs your franchise. And even if they picked Aiden Hutchinson, I don't think that, I think you could have still picked up an edge rusher here or there later on in the draft. Surely the focus has got to be protect your number one gold standard franchise asset. I'll be honest. I would, I would fire my general manager if, if with the number one overall pick, they ever took an offensive lineman. And I know that's offensive line is really important. Number one overall pick in the draft you know, you need to get, you, you have to get a superstar. That, that should be your goal. 
But is that um, is that not a is that not a pressurized cliche though? I mean, we talk about you want a superstar, you want a quarterback, or you want you know, a Miles Garrett type, but it's about priorities. If they were trying to trade back, which I think most analysts accept that they were trying to do, and they couldn't, make the sensible pick. Make the pick that is going to matter to your team at this moment in time. That would be my argument to that. What I'd like to say is when they list these weaknesses, non-existent pass rush planning, poor hand usage, inconsistent when disengaging from blocks. That is not really what you expect from the number one pick of the draft. I saw on one particular website gave them a C for that. Aidan Hutchison went at two. Now, obviously, the Lions could have traded down as well, but I think they've done the right thing, staying and looking to get what they wanted. Um, Ian, did they, did they pick the right person? They they went for a, a, a safer option. I mean, you could argue that Derek Stingley, with his freshman season, is one of the best cornerback performances in college, and he could be the, the next uh, lockdown corner like Darrell Rivas or Deion Sanders. But he, always, he had that foot injury that was just kind of troubling teams. Hutchison is um, your lunch pail kind of turn up, give you 100% every single uh, game. He'll get you 10 sacks a season. You'll be the face, face of the franchise. And Detroit have, have had a history of messing up quite badly with early draft picks. You can think of the, the debacle they had with the wide receivers with um, Matt Milne as their, their um, GM. So I, I think Hutchison's safe. You, you'll play for 10 years in the league, but you won't be the same type of edge rusher you, you would expect out of somebody like um, JJ Watt or Miles Garrett. The reason they didn't take a cornerback, I don't think, is because they got burned with Jeff Akuda when they took him. And he was the number three pick last year, the year before, and has done nothing. Yep. They don't need a... They were going to go for a quarterback, and they took Penny Sue last year in the top 10. So they don't really need an offensive tackle. So actually, edge rusher is their position. And again, if you're trying to trade back, then and if you can't do it, then I understand that pick. But that makes so much more sense. So much more sense. And he's also he's home, like hometown as well. Yeah, played played at Michigan. I I think it's really funny that Trayvon Walker went number one overall because if Hutchinson had went number one, I am very confident that the Lions don't take Walker. It would have been. Thibodeau they would have taken. Mm. Yeah, let, let's move quickly to three. Derek Stingley Jr., Ian, you briefly mentioned the cornerback out of LSU. Do we feel sorry for where he's landed in Houston or is he going to get an awful lot of work? What, what's the deal there? We'll see. Well, I think we'll see a lot of him. <laughs> I, I think you've got to look at Houston and we've been judging Houston the last two years on them being a bit of a basket case because of everything going on with, around Deshaun Watson and the fact that they traded away all their picks for Laramie Tunsil. Um, they are now uh, in sort of year two of the rebuild mode and they have got a, a guy in Lovey Smith who is has a track record. He's not the most exciting head coach on the planet, but he's a defensive head coach. I think they're going to build a pretty solid defense there and he will be a cornerstone of that. I think the surprise was that they took him before they took Gardner because all the a lot of the projections were that Gardner was going to go as the first cornerback and was perhaps the outstanding athlete in the top 10. I, I was I was really glad about that because it like there was loads of talk that Stingley was going to be the guy who was going to fall and tumble in this draft. And Ian touched on it. his freshman season LSU was incredible. And it's really interesting that I think if you look at the top of this draft, I don't think Walker, Hutchinson, uh, Thibodeau will be the best edge rusher in the NFL. I can absolutely see Derek Stingley being the best cornerback in the NFL at some point. He's that talented that he could be. So I think it was a really good pick by Houston. So the number four pick went to the New York Jets and Ian they might have actually drafted a decent player for once. Yeah. Um, Sauce Gardner, I think, is going to be an excellent um, zone cornerback. Um, he's kind of taller, not as stiff as you expect from a, a, a cornerback when they, they do come into the NFL when they're tall. Um, he's a willing tackler. And the Jets look like they actually 
came close to, I mean, it's far too early to call, but they, they came close to making some sensational draft picks compared to, I mean, we made the joke um, in the last podcast about that we missed the fact that the Jets boo all their selections when it was in Radio City, but they, they got Sauce Gardner, they got Garrett Wilson, they got Jermaine Johnson, they got Brees Hall. I mean, these guys, you can make an argument that those four guys could end up being the best four players at the position groups in this draft. I think they absolutely smashed it out of the park. And excuses are excuses are diminishing now for why the Jets don't have success. They've got a, a fiery head coach and Robert Salah. They've added talent into the, the squad. They've got their first-round quarterback last year. I mean, they've, they've run out of excuses. They're going to have to start delivering now. Charles, sorry, sorry, just just quickly. I'll ask that either Charles or or Gordon. Is this a case of of the Jets getting it right, or remember they say you know if you stick what hundred monkeys in the room with a typewriter, they'd come up with Shakespeare eventually. You know, have they got it right for a change? I think they did. I think this is one whereby like they could have gone offensive lineman, they could have gone with Thibodeau. You know, the way they did it, I I don't love Jermaine Johnson as a player who they traded up into the back end of round one for, uh, round one for, but where he went, it was pretty good value. So if their options were take Thibodeau at four and then a lesser cornerback, I don't think that's as good a move as Gardner and Jermaine Johnson. He's also, he's like very similar size-wise and physical-wise to what Richard Sherman was in the NFL, which means that, you know, that's the perfect fit stylistically for Salah's defense. If you're New York, you're looking at the um, the division you're in, you're up against Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill. You need a cornerback that's going to step up in those four games and deliver and keep you in the game and stop those guys from making big plays. So he has a bit of swagger as well. I think we talked about him last week. He has got that X factor that I think will make him a bit of a a star in New York as well. And I think the Jets need that. They need a little bit of stardust because they've been an absolute dump truck of a organization from years. They need somebody to step up to the plate and be their face. And I think he could potentially be that. The, the problem in New York, obviously the media is quite vicious, you know, so you can try and step up and be that type, but if you don't get it right on the field, you'll get destroyed. Gordon, looking at the other side of New York with the Giants, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal picks at five and seven. Again, these look like two decent picks on paper. Yeah. And it was interesting during the during the draft, they were talking about, you know, what are the Giants going to do at five? Are they going to go with the offensive tackle? They they did it, they did it the right way because the way the draft board fell for them was kind of perfect. You know, they wanted one of the top edge rushers to be there at five. And all three offensive tackles. So at that point, take your edge rusher, and then you know you're either getting, you know, your your pick of at least two of the offensive tackles by the time you're next on the clock. So that was picks five and seven. Carolina Panthers. I mean, Ian, they could have gone anywhere, you know, given the were, needs of Carolina. They were trying to go back. Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't do it. But, yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, they've done they've done well going backwards in recent times, so you can't win them all. North Carolina State, Equanu, is this going to make much of a difference to the Panthers, Ian? Uh, in the long run, yes, because he's going to end up being a cornerstone uh, offensive lineman for him, probably right tackle at first. Um, it's interesting to see with Matt Coral coming in in, in the third round, how that affects the quarterback situation in Carolina. Are they going to have this as uh, an acclimatization season with the hope that next year is when the franchise player is going to evolve or do they think he can develop them this season? They've probably done it the right way around by taking a, a, a fairly gold standard lineman in the first round rather than gambling on what could be a uh, in effect, a six-round quarterback in another draft where there's there's more talent. So they've probably felt they're going to um, work more towards the future by bringing in Icky. I would imagine um, he he's going to be he's going to quickly be one of those players that you always see appearing on Twitter. Just watch this Panclick 
pancake block every single week. He's going to become a, a firm favourite, I think, in Carolina, just because of how physical he is. If this does not make that Sam Darnold any better, then nothing will. I mean, I think most people have written this guy off and Darnold is done. But at least now he has half a chance of staying on his feet for 10 seconds before <laughs> before he gets sacked. And I think Carolina are in a bit of a pickle because you've got Matt Rule as a head coach. He's in, Rule, he's in year three. They have to win or he's getting sacked. And it's a complete change around again. So... I could see why they were trying to trade back and then they didn't have another pick um, until, what, the fourth round, I think it was. But I think in the end, they did trade back up again. They are in a real tight situation. They have to start winning games. And at least they've got somebody who they can lean on, if you like, on the offensive line to to give Donald a, a, a sniff of a chance if it is going to be him as quarterback. I think it's also going to be a situation where they, they assess McCaffrey quite closely and they're going to make a decision where they're going to jettison his contract because I can't see them bringing in a franchise quarterback and also retaining a running back and a high salary. It's hard to believe that a team paying a running back is maybe not working out. Never, never, never seen that one before. Well, our, our good friend Cameron Hobbs, who is obviously a little bit sleep deprived at the moment, was trying to engineer a trade for McCaffrey uh, all the way out to San Francisco and keep Debo Samuel at the same time. So Cameron, on behalf of all four of us, I would just like to say we do hope you get more sleep quite soon. Let's round out number eight. This was going to be the draft of the wide receiver. Uh, Drake London went at eight to the Falcons. Uh, Gordon, some target for Mariota? Yeah, I mean they they had to take a wide receiver. That yeah, that wide receiver room was not great. Uh, I don't know if I, if London would have been my pick. I would have probably gone with the speed of Jamison Williams. Um, but he was good in college, really good in his final year before his injury. Breaks a load of tackles, huge big target. You know, a, a pretty solid pick, I think, at this point, based on the way the board had fallen. He's just a he's a really big guy. Um, he's an ex basketball player, so he'll be a. A, you know, a good end zone threat. My question is, are they going to get anywhere near the end zone? So <laughs> all those only talents are going to go waste. Only accidentally is usually for, for Atlanta. I mean, it is interesting because in all the statistical categories, he, you could argue he came out as the top. I'm, I'm with Gordon. I'm not convinced he was necessarily the best. But Ian, this puts you in a difficult position. If you don't pick the guy who is projected or looks like he is the best with all the statistics, that can come back to bite you if you then go somebody who's lower and simply doesn't work. It's also such a it's such a high risk position wide receiver. Statistically, you get better chance drafting in the second round. So many first round receivers flame out, and there was there was worries about London's um, straight line speed. He doesn't seem to be the fastest. And with a receiver like him, you need a quarterback that's confident throwing the ball to him when he's covered because he's he's big enough to wall off defenders or um, make a high point catch that cornerbacks can't get anywhere near. But is Mariota that quarterback that can pass to somebody that's still effectively covered? Alshon Jeffrey was the same. Alshon Jeffrey was about a five-second 40, I think, if you were to time him when he was a professional. But... If you threw the ball anywhere near him, he was bringing it in, even though he was covered. And it's the same with Drake London. But I, I, I would have went for Wilson. I think Wilson, Garrett Wilson, is a far more accomplished receiver than Drake London. But time will tell. Garrett Wilson goes at ten to the Jets, which I think is a pretty good pick, gentlemen. Charles Cross, Seattle. Was that an indication? I mean, Seattle could have gone anywhere in this particular draft with their top 10 pick. Are we surprised that they say bypassed the quarterback? Uh, they did take a running back quite shortly afterwards. Charles Cross, good, bad, and different. It's ironic that that's the pick that they got for trading Russell Wilson away. And they've signed an offensive lineman who could have protected Russell Wilson all yep. these years. He's been running around like a blue arse fly in the backfield. Um, well, we know that obviously if, They've not taken a quarterback because clearly Hobbs is in with a shout at this job. But uh, <laughs> all, all things being serious, he, Pete Carroll likes to run the ball. Um, you saw Rashad Penny down the, the last few five, six games of, the, of last season running the ball to hell and back, you know. So that's the way he's going to want to build this team. Seattle are not going to 
blow the doors off anyone with throwing the ball. That's, uh, there's been so much chat about DK Metcalf getting traded. It would not surprise me in the slightest if that was to happen and they just become a run-first team um, because there's no quarterback there. Until there's a quarterback there, it's going to be a 60-70% running game, Which and Charles Cross will fit in pretty well there. He'll do a great job, but again, I'd, I'd, not very inspiring. I yeah, I wouldn't have gone quarterback here. Like the, the, bigger, the bigger thing for me is not taking a quarterback with one of those round two picks. I think I think Seattle were in the position here whereby they were probably just going to take the best remaining of the top, you know, eight, nine guys in the draft, whoever was there at nine, they were gonna they were gonna run the card in. So I don't think it really mattered to them if it was Evan Neal, um, Iquano or Charles Cross. I think they were quite happy. I think Seattle are quite confident um in Cross as the pick because I think next season's gonna be when they look towards bringing a, a quarterback in in the draft with two picks in the first round, same as the Texans, same as the Eagles next season, with guys like CJ Stroud and Bryant Young coming out. It looks like it's a, a far better um, draft class next year for um, a quarterback, although that is uh, skipping 360 days in advance. But that looks like it's what the rationale of the Seahawks is with that pick. And I guess that kind of shows that Pete Carroll must be fairly content within himself and the organisation because the promise of tomorrow doesn't get you far with some franchises in the NFL. You simply wouldn't be there. We're going to twist and talk about the overall draft for the teams, but we're going to go live now to our Baltimore Ravens correspondent who looked to be slightly happy on WhatsApp when the pick was made. Number 45, David Ojabo. Has a new home, Gordon McGuinness. I trust you're pleased. It's not just me that's pleased. We had an agreement. Oh, here Charles, we go. Is, Charles is now a Ravens fan. It, it's on audio. We agree. Well, it's fine. They're in the AFC, so I can adopt another team. That's great. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was absolutely delighted with the pick. Uh, I was over at the PFF offices, and like one of the guys I worked with is a big Michigan guy who went to Michigan. So he was... Uh, he was delighted to see him go in the in the second round after the injury, and it's it's one of those picks that, you know, getting a guy with that much talent in the second round, you know why you get why you got him in the second round because he suffered the Achilles injury um, during his during his pro day, but if he gets back to what he was, that's a guy who we were talking about. It'd be great if the Ravens took him at fourteen overall before yeah. the injury. So. To go to go in, you know, I really like the first round. Given the Scotland connection, it's hard to not have that as my favourite pick of the draft. It makes sense because he's reuniting with his defensive coordinator at Michigan. It makes sense for him. He doesn't have to play straight away. It's just a no-brainer, isn't it? It's a great pick and it's a great place for him to land as well. Um, and he'll have that identity that he had at college and it'll be stacked right into, I mean, there's such a well-run organization Baltimore as well. So he'll be in good hands. We, we, we all said in the last few weeks, we did not want to see him end up in a bad scenario. We didn't want to see him at a franchise that for want of a better phrase is a basket case. I said last week, God, it'd be hellish if he went to Carolina, <laughs> but he's going to Baltimore, which is well run. There's about half a dozen franchises in the NFL that you can trust. And I think Baltimore are one of them. So, Ian, it's a road trip to Baltimore, guided by our very own Gord McGuinness, who knows all the best places for crab and for pit beef. So it's not a bad place to land up. But this, the sheer joy of David Ajabo was wonderful to see on television. I actually listened to the to the draft, that part of the draft on the radio. And, the, and certainly the pundits on ESPN radio were very, very high on David Ajabo. Yeah, you always watch those kind of um, draft party uh, kind of videos coming in from behind the couch because there's been one or two occasions where players haven't acted in the best manner or their family have maybe embarrassed them slightly, but it's nice to see that um, David's got such a nice family behind them and it's part of the reason why he's, he's been so well supported on his journey coming over from Scotland over to the States to play a, a sport that was it was fairly alien to him until he, his later teenage years. People kind of forget that. It's not like um, in, in Scotland when you're born with a, a soccer ball at your foot um, it's something he had to pick up and it's testament to um, how well he's done um, 
I don't want to say I want to don't want to say emotionally that makes it sound like he's going to start crying. But from a mental standpoint, um, um, being able to go away from your family and learn a new sport and deal with the pressures of playing in front of 100,000 fans at, at Michigan Stadium. So um, I think everybody in, in Scotland is definitely going to be tuning in to Ravens games to keep an eye on how he's doing. Yeah, David, on behalf of us all here at the NFL Scotland Podcast, we're proud of you. Way to go, and we can't wait to see you on the field. Gents, winners and losers of the draft. I have humbly suggested that the New York teams had good drafts. Let's talk about your own teams first, and then I would like you to pick a team that's been good and one that's perhaps been less good. Let's go to the smiling cheese head. Uh, no quarterback picked. No, that's That must have been a relief for you. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, there was a there was a couple of uh, there were a couple of uh, Green Bay writers who were predicting that um, there might be some nonsense going on with that first those two first round picks. I had to say I, I, last week I was not I, I wasn't completely surprised that they didn't pick a wide receiver. I was slightly surprised they didn't pick someone offensively in the first round, but. You have to admire the gumption of Brian Gutekunst, the general manager in Green Bay, and his brass neck to just stick to his board and make his decisions based on what was there in front of him as opposed to perhaps what the fans are wanting um, or what the media are telling him he should be doing. They selected a wide receiver in the second round. They traded up to get him. Um, and by all accounts, Christian Watson is going to be a very, very good pick. They've taken two of the Georgia defenders who caused so much havoc over the course of the, the last couple of college seasons. Interestingly, last year, their first round pick was Eric Stokes, the cornerback, again out of Georgia. There's a bit of a Georgia nucleus in that defense now in Green Bay. And they've now got, I think, by my reckoning, there are seven first round picks in that defense. So that is a real strength now in Green Bay, which they didn't have necessarily until you know, the last couple, in a couple of years. Green, Aaron Rodgers was carrying that team for a decade with no defense. They now have a defense that's legitimate. And I think ultimately it was a good draft. It wasn't a spectacular draft. Um, I, I really liked the Packers draft. The only, yeah. the only part of it I didn't like was giving up as much as they gave to move up to get Christian Watson. Yeah. But it, it didn't feel like great value, but I think like Zach Tom, uh, the pass rusher they got in the fifth round, Rashid Walker in the seventh round, like, there's a good few guys there who could wind up being real steals, and you know, okay, not all those not all those potential steals work out, but if you hit on one of those guys, then you get a ton of value for four years. The one that's interesting for me um, is actually a wide receiver, not though not Christian Watson, but um, the wonderfully named Romeo Dubs, who is out of Nevada and was catching passes from Carson Strong, who was an undrafted free agent, but many people have said that he would be quite a serviceable quarterback in, in the NFL. His um, highlights in Nevada are ex extraordinary, and he's an absolute giant. So don't be surprised if he suddenly appears as a, as a favorite target of Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers is weird. He's got real particular preferences when it comes to receivers. Nobody would have thought that Alan Lazard, who was an undrafted free agent, would suddenly become one of his favourite targets. He got really shirty last year when they let Jake Kumaro go to Buffalo because he really liked working with this guy. So I think, listen, Green Bay do what they do. They've always drafted receivers in the second round and it's always proved to be a success. And I don't think Christian Watson's going to have any trouble catching balls. Um, and they're still... They're loaded up on defense. They're still the favorites for the NFC North, and that's all that you really need if you're a if you're a Packers fan. What I find quite interesting, Charles, on the NFL.com uh, site, Green Bay Draft got an A. On SB mm. Nation, it got a D. So, you know, some sometimes people just don't see the same way. Let's go to Philadelphia and the Eagles. Uh, they got an A for their draft, according to most of the things I've seen. Ian, I trust you're happy. Um, it, it, it replicates uh, what you always say about your women, Paul, that big is beautiful. And uh, the Eagles took the, maybe the biggest obstacle in the defensive side of the draft in Jordan Davis. Um, they thought that um, Baltimore had their eye on him, so they traded up to go get him. He, he, he plays like somebody set the genitals of a grizzly bear on fire. 
he's a rare blend of power and speed and it's a hell of a defensive line rotation now that the Eagles have got. It's like hockey where they're able to kind of bring one line out and put another line on at any situation. Um, they picked up Cam Jorgens at centre um, or Beef Jorgens as he was called at the Combine. Um, Jason Kelsey was actually really high on him. Um, he said of all the centres that he evaluated for the Eagles over the past four years, he felt that Jorgens was the best. Um, it looks very much like he's a very mobile centre, the same as Kelsey is. So he'll probably take a year or two to kind of develop. I think he needs to develop his anchor a wee bit. But Kelsey's signed for the next season. Um, and then in the third round, one of the surprises of the draft was Nicobe Dean slipping. Uh, Rumours of a chest injury that might need surgery, um, of which Dean replied, this is news to be. I'm turning up at minicamp next week. <laughs> um, he, he he was also, there were some worries about him because the, the line was so good that Georgia, he never really had to deal with shedding linebackers, but in terms of a sideline to sideline missile, um, Dean is going to be quite entertaining um, for the the Eagles. Um, They also had a couple of interesting undrafted uh, rookie pickups. Charles mentioned Carson Strong, uh, who people were saying he could be a second or third round pick. He has issues. He's got two serious knee injuries. He he has to battle through. Um, And also for potential links to whenever the Eagles come back over to play in London. They've got a kick returner named Britton Covey that they've picked up, which is obviously not going to bypass any self-respecting social media protagonist at NFL UK. The the AJ Brown trade is, that's the big one. I mean, that was, that was the whole, that was the biggest story of the night. And it means that they're giving Jalen Hurts a chance. They're giving him an option and an opportunity to be a high quality starter and have that kick on from getting to the wild card round. Now you're legitimately looking at the Eagles as potentially favorites, I think in the NFC East um, because Washington aren't there for me. The giants are, there's too many moving parts there and they're not proven enough. And I think Dallas are flaky and they've had a pretty bad off season. So the Eagles for me are, 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 the, are the shout for that division. And can they become a contender to, to reach the championship game in the NFC East? You're giving them a shot with one of the top receivers in the league. And I think that they, I think that they underpaid actually. I think he's phenomenal. AJ Brown. I would have, from a long-term investment pers- pers- prospect, I think that's a great deal. Brilliant deal. It's interesting. The, the team that keeps coming up where I've been checking across various sites and bits and pieces is having the best draft in the whole league is the Baltimore Ravens, A-pluses all round. You know, one site was listing the best player picked and the worst player picked. There was no worst player given against Baltimore. We go live again to our Baltimore correspondent, the man with the big smile, Gordon McGuinness. Happy? Yeah, a little bit ironically happy with the first pick because I I thought one of the top nine players in the draft was going to fall to 14. And if you had me have my pick of that, Hamilton would have probably been the last of those nine because they signed Marcus Williams in free agency. Uh, I think the 40 time worries me a little bit, but has a ton of range, massive, big, tall guy that can make plays on the ball. The Linderbaum pick's interesting um, in that we had him as like the highest graded center we've ever had in college at PFF. But he played uh, like a more of a zone scheme in at Iowa, whereas the Ravens don't really do that. And the Ravens' other pick when they drafted an offensive tackle in this draft, it was all about you know another big guy that's a big, you know, big powerful player that you know fits that more. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does. I think he's absolutely good enough. Uh, it's just whether or not they're going to tweak the scheme at all, which I think would be really exciting, or whether or not they just you know can try and fit him in there. And I think the big thing. Big thing was the Hollywood Brown trade. I think I would ask, why did they not replace him? I mean, who says that they're not going to in free agency? They they drafted Rashad Bateman in round one last year. At where where they picked? So would I have swapped David Ajabo for uh, Sky Moore? Probably not. Mm. 
And then they did get sniped in the fourth round. They wanted Calvin Austin, who I, I wouldn't have been massively enamored with. And the Steelers, the Steelers took them. But, they, but, but you had six fourth round picks, I think, which was which was remarkable. I think the most since 1970. But you seem to run out of energy and just started making up names. Isaiah Likely, Tyler Baddy. I mean, are, are these genuine players or are you just making stuff up just to, yeah. you know? You know. Genuine, genuine players. Uh, yeah. The, the Actually, I like them both as well, by the way. I like them both. Well, the names are the players. No, I like the players. Like Coastal, <laughs> Coastal Carolina has been, a, you know, been a real interesting place to watch. And I think taking a week go on the sixth round at Tyler Baddy, I think that's that's a free hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's good. But yeah, the, the trade for me, like if you look at it in the sense that they drafted Marquise Brown in the first round, what, four years ago? <laughs> You get three years of play out of him, and he was fine. Like he's okay. It's not, you know. If you compare it to the AJ Brown trade, your first take would be how on earth have the Ravens got a first round pick mm. when you know the Eagles have got AJ Brown for very little more. I think they're dealing there though with Arizona, who are in sl- a slightly desperate situation because. They need, they need, convince, they need Kyler Murray to re-sign. <laughs> and Kyler Murray, what he wants, he will get. And he wanted Hollywood Brown, his former college uh, teammate. He wanted him in there. And they're going to give him a new contract. I, I, Peter King was brilliant because he described this trade as Baltimore um, basically buying a car for $50,000, driving it around for three years, and then selling it for $50,000. <laughs> Even though it would be worth about a third of that. And I think, I mean, Hollywood Brown's a decent number two in most places. He's, he's, he now, was, a num- he's now a number one in Arizona. He, well, well exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that they've, it's robbery, that. That is an absolute steal for, for Baltimore. But I have to, I do, wonder, I, I do wonder what, what they're going to do this year offensively because there's nothing that strikes me as being uh, out of the park uh, receiver well, catching uh, at the, all. The conversation we had last week, uh, Charles, about um, you can pick up the best receiver or the, the best tight end and Charlie Kohler is maybe just off being the best tight end. Um, I think he's a really, really good player and he's going to be one of those tight ends. It's going to be a move tight end. So he's going to line up in the slot. They might, they can flank him out wide if they want. They're going to create a lot of mismatches with him. I think Kohler could end up being an excellent pick for the Ravens. I, th- I think it wouldn't surprise me if Likely was essentially a wide receiver as well. Like, I don't, I don't think they're going to ask him to do a ton of blocking. Um, yeah. So for what it's worth, I got the the two picks for the Saints. I was asked to take part in a mock draft by a fellow podcast, and I got the two picks correct in the right order as well, uh, which impressed me, although the Saints did have to trade up to get Chris Olave. In terms of teams that didn't have a good draft, if you go onto the NFL official site, which I always love to do, nobody got worse than I think than a C plus. Now, that's the official NFL line. You ain't going to get anywhere that's going below that. Anybody got any wish to, to put forward the argument for the worst draft? I, New, uh, New England. I, <sighs> New, what, England what, New England what, just had a weird draft because what, that's what Belichick. The, their, draft, their draft genuinely makes no sense. The, the best bit about the New England draft was um, in the, the first round pick and then the fact that Sean McVeigh was videoed taking the mick out of the pick because they thought that player, Strange, Cole Strange? Cole, Cole Strange. Yeah, they thought he was going to be available in the third or the fourth round. Um, and then even more funny was the fact that then Sean McVay the next day had to apologise to Bill Belichick. <laughs> I, I just, it, you know, pardon the pun, it was a really strange pick in round one. Like he was, he was, he was a player, if he goes in the second, the third round, it's kind of like, oh, okay. And then even Taekwon Thornton at 50 when there was, other, I would argue, significantly better receivers available. They then used a fourth round pick on a backup quarterback. Like it, it was a it was a really, really weird draft that just didn't really make a whole lot of sense. It was kind of like they just showed up, kind of grabbed a couple of players here and there. 
the the touch the touch that I quite liked is when the Eagles drafted a, a linebacker or a defensive end in the fifth round out of Kansas. They kept showing a clip of him bullying over somebody at the senior bowl practices, and it was Cole Strange he absolutely <laughs> knocked in his backside. So I don't know if the, the Eagles were being a bit naughty by tweeting that out, but uh, I did quite like that. I think you've got to look at Tennessee. Tennessee have just lost their best player, their best playmaker, and then now they've drafted... Malik Willis, who slid, I think, further than a lot of people expected. At the same time, they've now upset their franchise quarterback, who, okay, he is in his 30s and he's only got two years left in his contract and perhaps he's not the future of the franchise. You've now got a situation there that you're going to have to manage and they're tight against the salary cap. They're still probably favourites to win their division, although you would argue now that Indianapolis are, are, are perhaps a better bet. And it just it doesn't it doesn't sit right. It doesn't sit right if you're a Tennessee fan. It's difficult for them, I think. I think the salary cap thing was a huge problem. Like mm. that that effectively meant they had to had to trade AJ Brown. So, you know, they've got they've got the player in the draft who most looks like him in terms of like how he plays. Um I, I kind of think they had to like Malik Willis once he felt the third round. Ryan Tannehill, I don't think, is playing that much longer. Whether whether he wants to mentor him or not, I think well, he's going to be. Park that for a minute because we are <laughs> going to come back to that because I think it's a fascinating thing. I mean, looking at some of the, the stuff that I've looked at, the Vikings aren't getting a lot of love for their draft. The Washington Commanders, which remains a really naff name. Um, don't get a lot of love for their draft. The they're Rams just they're, well. the, the, cannot, the commanders are just an absolute complete bomb scare of a franchise. They're terrible. They're, they're, Jahan Dotson was interviewed and said, I didn't think I was going to get picked as high as 16 or 15 or whatever they were. So they trade back. Fair enough. You get a bit of value on that. But then you take a guy who probably wasn't going to go until maybe their 25th to 30th pick. You take him 10 picks too high. Now, you can read a lot into the draft board and stick to your board and how what is value, what's not. But ultimately, you've got Carson Wentz as your quarterback. Fair enough, you want to get a guy who's who he's going to throw the ball to, but this is not the fu- he's not the future. This how are how are Washington going to win? Washington are not going to win with Carson Wentz as the as the focal point of their offense. I have to say, I'm I. I just don't understand how they operate as a as an organization. It's bizarre, utterly bizarre. Dotson himself was surprised to be picked. Yeah, that was it. He couldn't believe it. No, he said, "Oh, I was not... out and about, and then I got a phone call." No, not a, not a great sign when the guy you take in the first round was kind of surprised he was taken in the first round. <laughs> he was watching the NBA playoffs, and he didn't believe he was getting a phone call for Ron Rivera. Ridiculous. Any other teams? I've, I want to mention one more team, but any yeah, other teams? I've, I've got I've got one. I think. Um, a questionable draft is the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's um, the team I'm coming to, Ian Genius. On you, because go. Kenny Pickett has got the same size hands as Cameron, um, and he's playing in a winter outdoor division where you need to have big hands to hold on to the ball. I think that was questionable. Um, they then pick up George Pickens, who I actually thought was a really good player, but then so many reports are coming out about his maturity. Um, and there's worries now, is it just going to be Antonio Brown all over again? Then they pick up DeMarvin Leal, who I thought was an OK player, but he, he looks like he's maybe going to be a 3-4 a end, if anything. And they also picked up a fullback, which is effectively defunct as a position now in the NFL. So I, I didn't really feel inspired that Pittsburgh started to turn themselves around into what will be a, a post-Rofflesburger era. The, the fullback who becomes their fourth set of brothers that they now have in the roster, which <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that's lazy scouting. <laughs> no, they've done it before though as well. Yeah. <laughs> brothers on the roster before. Four, so. four. There's four total they have now. It's incredible. Gordon, your only loss of the, the draft weekend was a steak dinner to myself and I think to to, to Charles uh, for Kenny Pickett being picked before David Ajabo through injury or not I know you're a man of your word you say you'll honour it we're, I, not, I am. we're not so sure Ca- about the other the Ca- other one Cam- but. Cameron Cameron was trying to back out of it and I told him yeah. that it's not 
there there is a Twitter account that keeps track of these things now. Yeah, not, the Twitter account I think is pretty well aware too. So Paul and I have been Paul and I have been doing our own scouting about where the best state restaurant is locally. So yeah. <laughs> Really looking forward to that, and yeah, that'll be fine. Right, let's talk about Ryan Tannehill. Tennessee draft a quarterback. Bearing in mind, Tannehill dropped one of the worst games of the playoffs that he could have done. They picked Malik Willis. He was available. They've taken him, and Ryan Tannehill comes out. Is it a trope? Well, that's great, but I'm not looking after the guy. He's after my job. Where do you stand, gentlemen, on does the, the main quarterback who may put himself out of job, should he have to be nice and accommodating to the person that they've brought in? No. So, uh, uh, well, so, no. However, he also should be smart enough to not say that. Yeah. You, don't, you, don't need, you don't need to, don't stand up there. And, and he's made himself look like a bad teammate. You don't, you don't need to do that. Yeah, of course, I'll show him the ropes. Like, they're going to be working together in the same room. I, have you seen the interview? Because I, I watched the interview back today and I think he's, he was very respectful of Malik Willis when he said that. I think the, the, it's been slightly taken out of context what he said in so far as I didn't, I wasn't consulted about the pick. He wasn't sitting there fizzing like a certain quarterback in Green Bay may well have been. Um, he, he, was, he, he answered the question honestly. He was standing at a podium and he said, as for... Mentoring, I don't think that's my job, but equally, you know, he's there to compete and we'll be working together. And I think that that was a fair answer. I don't, I'd, I'm not entirely sure whether or not Ryan Tannehill is, you know, is a particularly bright quarterback or somebody who sticks his foot in his mouth on a regular basis. It didn't strike me, though, in the way that he answered the question that he was trying to create a controversy or that he was trying to push this kid into the darkness. You know, it, it, is, it is what it is. That's it's business. It's ultimately it is business. And he knows that. And Malik Willis knows that. And the organization know that. And as long as they're all on the same page, then you crack on with it. There's no guarantee, of course, that Malik Willis will start at any point because we've seen it before. I mean, I think you both make excellent points. Is It is a trap question in many ways, and it's a very difficult one. So he has come out and answered it. I, I think if he'd come out off his own back and brought the subject up, I think that's a different thing altogether. Um, you know, and I think, as, as Gordon says, that the best thing is not to answer it and to keep, keep your own counsel. But if you're asked directly, at least he's gone out to do that. Ian, I mean, if he sends him out for, to go and collect a long stand or a tin of tartan pain, you know, we can expect that. that. That kind of thing should happen. Where where do you stand on, you know, how good teammates should have to be in that quarterback room? You're paid to win games. You're not paid to be the starting quarterback. That, there's an expectation you'll be the starting quarterback, but you are paid to win games and if winning a game means you have to take a seat in the bench then so be it because as team first effectively in the NFL there are egos involved, there are players to take it the wrong way there are some players to take it the right way so a player like Josh McNown when he realised that maybe he would have to start becoming a backup early on in his career and maybe mentor other quarterbacks he made over $50 million in career earnings from being that guy just standing on the sideline wearing the cap, holding the clipboard and just whispering to him eh, maybe don't throw that interception next time and he made a lot of money from it I mean Tannehill's made a lot of money by signing the contracts that he has but players like him are versed um, and how to deal with the media. They're savvy. And I think he knew exactly what he was doing when he uttered that sentence. It was effectively making a statement to Tennessee of, I'm not going to be anybody's backup. Um, but it, it ultimately comes down to how well does Tannehill perform in training camp? How well does Tannehill perform in games? It's in his hands. If he, if he wins games, if he puts up spectacular statistics during the regular season, he's not going to get benched for a rookie. He's got nothing to worry about. The key, Probably- the key thing here is that we, we look at this every time a quarterback is drafted and we talk about the rookie contract and when he's coming in to compete or take over 
from a guy who's in there on a fat, a big fat wage. We saw it with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo last season. And the expectation is that Trey Lance is probably going to be the star this year. Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the books in San Francisco. We saw it two seasons before with Love being picked and this expectation about what would happen with Aaron Rodgers. And those are two completely different scenarios that have, have come to pass in the fact that in Green Bay, you've got the, the guy who was the incumbent is now staying and the, the kid who was drafted now has an uncertain future. Whereas in San Francisco, it's a 50-50 coin flip at the moment, but still the expectation is that the kid who was drafted is going to take over. We cannot assume that Ryan Tannehill is going to lose his job. If he elevates his play, Malik Willis doesn't have a shot. So it's still in Ryan Tannehill's hands. But you have to accept that part, part of the, the deal of being the quarterback is you're going to get put up on that podium and ask questions like that. And I don't have any problem with the way that he answered that question or the way that he will probably handle the situation over the coming months. One of the things you have to remember is Ryan Tannehill wasn't always a quarterback. So he's never really had to face that. Uh, through high school and through college of having these backups always pushing to get on the field. He was a wide receiver and he converted. So maybe he didn't have that same experience that some of the more um, prototypical quarterbacks uh, would have in that situation. Um, So maybe not as professional as others might have been, but as, as again, it's down to him. Nobody else will get on the field if he's playing likes out football. He's got nothing to worry about. But there was the same situation in, in San Francisco in the, the 80s when the, uh, Bill Walsh was worried that um, Joe Montana was starting to show signs of recurring injuries and he, he brought in Steve Young. And Steve Young kept pushing at the heels of Montana and he was meant to be taken over, but Montana wouldn't let it happen. Montana just outplayed Everybody in the NFL, not just the guy who was his backup, Montana played everybody and Young got more and more frustrated because he couldn't get on the field because Joe Montana elevated his game. Yeah, and I guess that there's always a difference between, I think, the Jimmy G situation where you take a quarterback in the top five as opposed to taking somebody here in the third round. So I, th- I think there will be a little bit of a difference. Gentlemen, the London games were announced and... <laughs> One year the NFL is going to keep this lot a secret and it's not going to get out, but it seems to leak fairly <laughs> easily. Um, I'll, I'll start with Gordon. I mean, the Ravens were a potential opponent for the Saints. Are you disappointed that that game's not coming to London? Probably a little bit, uh, but given how well they played last time they were in London, uh, <laughs> I think yes. I'm actually, I think I'm actually all right with it. Are you still in counselling for that? A little bit, yeah, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so the games themselves, so October the 2nd, uh, 9.30am American time, uh, the Vikings will come to visit the Saints, who are the home team at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Then on October the 9th, finally, they've made their way here. His Highness has decided he has allowed the Green Bay Packers to travel and they will face the New York footballing giants. Charles, that's a good matchup. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if Kayvon Thibodeau can hunt down Aaron Rodgers. I'm quite looking forward to that. Thibodeau has been all over the media since the draft. He's quite a character. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can bark, uh, back up all the, the chat with some Listen, actual action. Thibodeau was nowhere near the character as the kid that introduced him. He stole That's the draft. true. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, he introduced Thibodeau, yeah, from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He was terrific. Yeah. Um, get, get him on the podcast. We'll have to make him a guest. Um, the uh, uh, listen, it's, it's the first time the Packers have traveled. It's going to sell out hotcakes, it's going to be incredibly difficult for um, to people to get tickets for that one. Um, but it's just going to be great to have the first time ever that the MVP, the reigning MVP, has traveled. So, um, yeah. It, you can't get any better than that and it's the Giants the Giants are an iconic franchise in themselves and are hopefully many people would think on the rise again although they've got loads of question marks around Daniel Jones so it is, um, it is I, definitely the, the pick of the games um, yeah, including, even including juicy. the one in, in Germany I think as well I, the biggest win for me is that all the London games are 2.30 hour time or maybe one will be 1.30 hour time depending on the clock change Um Oh, actually, is that this year that the American... It's a permanent change, yeah. Yeah, so could all be 
um, one thirty games. That like to me, that's they're reasonable kickoffs. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, that's that's what we want on a on a Sunday is to be able to start watching NFL at you know half past one in the afternoon. And if you really want, you can go right until five in the morning. <laughs> so, I think the quality of the games overall, because I was a bit disappointed with last year's offering. Is this accidental that we've got slightly better teams, or is this by design? I think it's I think it's slightly by, a bit of both. I, I don't think that I don't think if you're the NFL, you are going to care too much about fan complaints you're going to try and divvy up the teams so that they get a fair pop of coming across to the United Kingdom and, the, and of now to Germany. You, 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 the Jets, for example, there was chat about maybe the Jets being one of the, the Packers' opponents. They were here last year. If you're the New York Jets, you do not want to be coming back over again. Each team has got to take a turn. And I think uh, someone who's not on the podcast tonight who will remain unnamed said that the, the Broncos-Jaguars game was a dustbin game. Actually, I think that's a really good game because you've got the, the, the Broncos are now being talked about as a, a dark horse Super Bowl contender in the AFC West. They're loaded up and they're coming to face a Jaguars team who've got the, the number one pick now, even if he's an absolute bust maybe in the future they've you know that's the hometown team now if in, in effect the, the Jaguars so that is a good game that is a good game the Packers Giants game we, we've spoken about and Minnesota New Orleans you can't pick that game those are both two playoff contenders so I don't think we can complain I said this last year we are so fortunate to have regular season games here in the United Kingdom they talk about the Premier League going overseas and the terrible monstrosity that Premier League games in England would potentially go to far-flung parts of the world. We're getting genuine regular season NFL games in this country. We should be eternally grateful for that. Ian, which of these three matchups would would do it for you if I offered you tickets, which I'm not, but I mean, I like you, but I'm not giving you tickets. Which which would you pick? Um, well, I mean, clearly the Minnesota Vikings versus the New Orleans Saints, just because it, it gives you and I a chance to hook up again in, in London, Paul, and, and visit <laughs> visit all the the gaiety and um, excess that exists in such a city of sin. Um, do you know? And see if you look at them at first glance, I don't think any of them immediately make you want to uh, proclaim your love for them. Um, but I think I think the games are going to sneak up. Um, I think one of the one of the teams is going to be competing in the um, conference championship games, and it might not be a team you expect. Um, and it, it happens a lot. You. you you, you look at the games that come over and you think that's a bit of a dead rubber, but it ends up actually one of the teams you've, you've seen has been um, on a hot streak and are going to be going deep into the playoffs. Um, I do like I do like um, Russell Wilson versus Trevor Lawrence. I think that could be a fascinating matchup at um, Wembley if, if the Jags kind of elevate their game from last season. And I would... You, you kind of want all the Packers fans and all the Giants fans to get tickets for the, the game at Spurs so that maybe a bit of an atmosphere generates there because they've got both of them have got huge fan bases in the UK and it would maybe be nice to get away from the kind of like it's like you're watching a golf match at times um with the, the games in, in London. So um if I was to choose I think Denver Jack, uh, Jacksonville's maybe the one that interests me the most. And Gordon, it's a good point. I mean, you could get a real big turnout of both Packers fans and Giants fans, which would make you know the Tottenham Stadium a real electric place to be on the 9th of October. Yeah, and I think that's that's a stadium that okay, I know people don't necessarily love the the transit to it, but set up really well for for games once you're actually inside the stadium. <sighs> Looks really good, you know. And, and I, it, I, I'm struggling to see how that isn't going to be the the hottest ticket of them all, uh, because it's the Packers, because it's the Giants. Uh, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback that's going to come over all that stuff. So that's the one that's going to get all the attention. And if I if I was picking a game to go to, it would definitely be that one. 
So you can register interest in tickets by going to the NFL UK site. You register interest. Tickets, I suspect, will go on sale in June. Gentlemen, any other can business I, can before? Can I, I can also say that if anybody wants tickets, just tweet Cameron. Um, and Cameron is guaranteed. So it's at Cameron Hobbs. Just tweet him um, as many times as you can. Uh, the more times you tweet him, the more chance you are that he'll organise tickets for you. I think he actually said uh, you have to tweet him at least four times. Anyone that tweets him less than four times is is not is out the running. Between the hours of 2am and 6am. <laughs> When he is awake, incidentally. I was going to say, yeah, that, that's key. That's key Cameron Hobbs time. <laughs> At the moment, he's seen more of the NBA playoffs and baseball than he cares cares to mention. Gentlemen, any other business before we bring this to a close? I think it's, uh, it's now time to kick back after the madness of the free agency, the draft, the international games. The thing is, before you know it, it'll be training camp and players are going to start grousing about contracts again and by then we might have Cameron back on the pod (laughs) (laughs) there there is a threatened return by Cameron Hobbs the next time we get together I think he's always wanted to play for episode 191 I think that's his favourite and that's what he's been aiming for. Well, that brings episode 190 to a close. It's been good to go through all the various draft picks, all the winners and losers as we see them, but we'll never know if somebody's a good draft pick until they make the field, and let's see what they can do. My thanks to Charles Patterson, who continues to masquerade as Cameron Hobbs, even on his Zoom screen, to Ian Stephen and Gordon McGuinness. Check out all our various social media platforms, the NFL Scotland website, and until the next time, thanks for listening. Bye for now.